Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Doctrine, Dogma, and Davide podcast. My name is Davide Genostepi, and today, as you can see, I am still in Rome, and I happen to actually be in Rome for the passing of Pope Benedict XVI. And so I wanted to take today to just sort of like reflect on that, share a little bit of my experience. Uh, I was fortunate enough to actually be in Rome at the time of his funeral, and I had the privilege of being able to attend his funeral yesterday. And so I want to reflect a little bit on Pope Benedict XVI's impact on me, and as well as talk a little bit about some controversy surrounding his resignation. So one thing that, of course, everybody is saying is the fact that Benedict XVI is easily one of the greatest theologians in the last century, one of the greatest theologians of the modern era. And that's absolutely true. His writings on the Second Vatican Council, as well as on theology and the liturgy, have been absolutely instrumental in the life of the Church in the course of the last century. And it's important to recognize just how brilliant this man was and what a wonderful gift to the Church he was. He was so brilliant, and he gave all of his gifts, all of his talents to the church, and was an incredibly pious and holy man. But one thing that I want to talk about a little bit is something that he talked about a lot, but that most people don't really talk about a lot because it's not something that he was really known for. A lot of people will talk about his defense of tradition and his fondness for more traditional liturgies. And they'll also talk about, say, some more in Pontificum and his opening up of the traditional Latin Mass, which I think were all wonderful things that he did. But one teaching that he had that he reiterated many times that really struck me and really had a huge impact on me was his emphasis and his insistence on maintaining the threefold mission of the church. This is something that he talked about a lot and that made a huge impact on me because he said that the church has a threefold mission, that the church exists to serve the poor, to save souls, and to worship God. And that it is a grave error to fixate on, say, one to the detriment of the others or to omit one as unimportant. All three are incredibly pivotal, and it forms the foundation of what the church is meant to do and ultimately what we are meant to do in participation with the mission of the church. Especially as I look at, say, the lives of the saints, you know, I notice that pretty much every single saint care deeply about each one of those three core missions. Even saints that we more commonly associate with one element of the church's mission, like, say, St. Francis of Assisi, who I've actually got a statue of him right behind me. St. Francis of Assisi is more commonly remembered for his service to the poor, and that was certainly very dear to his heart. But we sometimes forget the fact that St. Francis of Assisi was also a fire and brimstone preacher who cared deeply for the salvation of souls and frequently told people that if they did not repent of their sins, they would be damned to hell for all eternity. As well as people who we think more of as great evangelists, such as St. Dominic, who was preaching in southern France and who almost entirely wiped out the Albigensian heresy just by force of his preaching, also cared deeply about service to the poor and would go from town to town barefoot in a rough habit and would serve the poor and share everything he had with them. And so, you know, you cannot simply dismiss, you know, care for the poor or salvation of souls or the worship of God from the mission of the church in order to fully participate in the mission of the church. We ourselves must actively care for the poor, we must actively evangelize, and we must actively worship God. And so I think that at the passing of Benedict, I think it's good for everyone, all of us to take stock 
of how well we have participated in that threefold mission that Benedict talked so much about. How have I served the poor? How have I served the salvation of souls? Have I evangelized? How have I worshipped God? Have I been praying? Have I gone to do a holy hour? Have I been going to mass regularly? You know, these are things that are important for us to remember, that the church has this mission and that we are called to participate in it to, to the best of our ability and to the fullest extent that is possible for us. So now that Benedict has passed away, you know, this is something that I've been reflecting a lot upon because it's something that had a, a great impact on me as a, a young boy when I was in middle school and I first started reading some of the things that uh, Pope Benedict XVI was promulgating. Now, of course, the other thing that Pope Benedict is known for is, of course, being much more traditional, a very ardent defender of the traditional Catholic faith and a friend to more traditional rituals, such as the traditional Latin Mass in the Catholic Church. Now, the other thing that I wanted to talk about today, because this is becoming much more significant with the passing of Benedict, is some controversy surrounding Pope Benedict XVI's resignation. Some of you may not be aware of this, but there has been a hypothesis put forward by some more traditionally-minded Catholics that Pope Benedict XVI's resignation was not actually valid. And so Pope Benedict remained the valid pope, and that Pope Francis is an anti-pope. Now, this becomes very significant now, because now that Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI has passed away, the advocates of the resignationist hypothesis have essentially been forced into one of two positions. Either A, they have to accept that Pope Francis is indeed the valid and true pope, or they must become full-blown set of incontists and insist that the See of Peter is vacant and that there is no valid pope. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this and sort of explain why I don't think that this position is particularly tenable. So to briefly explain the argument that is made by the resignationists, also I've heard them called the uh, beneplanists, but the, the argument made by those who believe that Benedict XVI's resignation is invalid point out the fact that in the resignation, in the, in the sort of preamble to his resignation where he explains the reasons that he is deciding to resign, he, uses, he refers to the office of the papacy with the term, with the Latin term munis, which means office. And then later in the actual sort of action clause of the resignation where he says, I renounce the ministry of the papacy, he uses the term ministerio. And so these people speculate that Benedict was not actually trying to resign from the office of the papacy, who was just trying to resign from the ministry of the papacy, and didn't realize that the office and the ministry cannot be separated. Therefore, the resignation that he proffered is a invalid on the basis of substantial error of him not understanding the difference between the munis and the ministerio of the papacy. Now, the first reason that I think that this is really silly is the fact that Pope Benedict XVI is one of the greatest theologians in the history of the church, and the idea that he just didn't understand the nature of the papacy, that he didn't understand that you cannot separate the office and the ministry of the papacy like that, is really silly, especially given the fact that Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI afterwards did not claim to be Pope. He did not claim that he was only trying to resign from the ministry of the papacy and not the office of the papacy. 
And so the fact that afterwards he didn't like clarify that he didn't attempt to actually claim to be the valid pope, that indicates to me that he understood perfectly fine what he was resigning from. Additionally, the full text of his renunciation of the papacy reads, quote, For this reason, and well aware of the seriousness of this act, with full freedom I declare that I renounce the ministry of Bishop of Rome, successor of St. Peter, entrusted to me by the cardinals on the 19th of April, 2005. So he is very clearly articulating exactly what he is resigning from. And he goes on to clarify even more explicitly what is happening as he resigns. He says, in such a way that as from the 28th of February, 2013, at 20 hundred hours, the See of Rome, the See of St. Peter, will be vacant, and a conclave to elect the new supreme pontiff will have to be convoked by those whose competence it is. And so even if there was ambiguity in the initial statement of his resignation, which I don't think that there really is, but he removes any possibility for ambiguity by succeeding it by explaining exactly what is happening when he resigns, that the See of Peter is vacant and that a new supreme pontiff must be elected. The fact of the matter is this is a valid resignation, and it's important to understand the fact that Benedict did validly resign and Pope Francis was validly elected Pope because otherwise the see of Peter is vacant and there is no legitimate means by which a new Pope can be elected because most of the cardinals have been appointed by Pope Francis. If Pope Francis was an anti-Pope, he would have had no authority to appoint those cardinals, making those cardinals invalid and making any Pope they elect in the future invalid. And so there's no real realistic means for a new pope to be elected if Pope Benedict's resignation was invalid. And that would contradict the teaching of the First Vatican Council, where it says, quote, If any then should deny that it is by the institution of Christ the Lord and by divine right that blessed Peter should have a perpetual line of successors in the primacy over the universal church, or that the Roman pontiff is the successor of Blessed Peter in his primacy, then let him be anathema. And so the First Vatican Council explicitly states that there will be a perpetual line of successors of the chair of Peter until the end of time. So any theory that would make it impossible for a new supreme pontiff to be elected must be false. And so sedimentism is in direct contradiction with the promises of Vatican I, and the resignationist hypothesis is completely untenable because now that Benedict has died, according to this theory, there would be no capacity to elect a new pope. And so we are forced to the conclusion, simply, that Pope Francis is indeed the valid pope and that the cardinals are indeed valid cardinals appointed by a legitimate pope. Now before I conclude, I do want to share a little bit of just my personal experience being in Rome. Uh, for the passing of Pope Benedict XVI, and having the, the amazing opportunity to attend his funeral as well. Because his funeral was celebrated, it was a Novus Ordo Latin Mass, which, for those of you who don't know, it's the new Mass that came after Vatican II, but it was celebrated in Latin. And it was really wonderful, because most of the people there understood the Latin uh, responses, and it was so beautiful to have the Mass mostly in Latin, because... That way, people from all over the world 
like we, we all spoke different languages, but we all knew Latin because Latin is the universal language of the church. We all knew the responses and we were all able to participate in this mass, despite the fact that we were from nations from all over the world. And I, I think that that's a really beautiful aspect, a, a really unifying aspect of the language of Latin in the liturgy. There was also a, another really beautiful moment where when Pope Benedict's coffin was being taken into St. Peter's Basilica, many people started shouting out, Santo Subito, Santo Subito, which, for those of you who don't speak Italian, means uh, sainthood immediately or sainthood at once. And I, uh, I, I pray that Pope Benedict is indeed a, a saint soon, a saint immediately, that he enjoys his eternal reward. And we pray for the repose of his soul. We pray that the Lord will have mercy on his soul, for no one is without sin. And we hope that Pope Benedict, as he enjoys the glories of heaven, will intercede for us and will continue to pray for the church in heaven, just as he did on earth. So that's just about all I have for today. I hope that this was spiritually fruitful for you. If it was, go ahead and leave a like, comment, subscribe, do whatever it is people of the internet do. And I will see you all next week where I will be back in my home studio. I will have my beard shaved and my hair trimmed, hopefully. But I will see you all next time. Oh.